Hello, welcome, hello, 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 welcome, 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 glad you could make it. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger here at dancefish.com. Thanks for being here with me on another Wednesday night. Uh, we do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, so I'm glad you could join us. Looks like stream is healthy. Um, could you folks let me know if the audio is good this time? We had some audio issues a few weeks ago. Luckily, we haven't had those issues for a couple weeks in a row now, so I think it's all fixed, but I just want to double check. Um, all right, so I'm going to wait for folks to let me know the audio is good before I get into tonight's business. Um, oh, Colette got stuck by the ad. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. All good. Okay, great. Great. Sounds like everything. Megan Mindy Lou, collared shirt. We have a collared shirt today, so you know it's going to be all business. <laughs> so, yes, I'm wearing a collared shirt today because I'm going to do an investor report. So, I'm going to pitch you guys like we're on Shark Tank and you're the sharks, and I'm telling you about my business. Um, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Before I do, I'm going to do the shipping report and the giveaway for tonight, and then I'll get right into the main event for me, which is pretty darn important, which is this Shark Tank style pitch. So the shipment report, let me just double check because I have not checked my email um, in a few hours. I've been packing fish all day, and I've also had some contractors and things to meet with um, and such. So it looks like... Okay, so, so far, all the emails that I've received from customers, looks like we're 100% again this week. So, as far as I know, no losses in shipping this week. Looks like everyone's arrived. Um, there were no delays, which is fantastic. And so, we should be all good. So, that's what we like to hear. So, that's the shipment report. Um, the giveaway... Michael Wentworth from Great Plains Aquatics is providing some really neat plants for the giveaway tonight. And some of them, from what I understand, are quite rare, quite desirable. Now, I'm not a plant guy. In fact, it's kind of a joke how much I don't know about plants. I can do java moss, water sprite, java fern, uh, and duckweed. Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the extent of my expertise. So, um, Hang on just one second. I got to let the kids know uh, they need to pipe it down just a bit. Sorry, my, uh, my daughter was pretending to be a giant and speaking in her giant fee-fi-fum voice. And so... I thought I would remind her I was live streaming because that could have gone on for a good half an hour. Um, so anyway, back to plants. Um, Michael Wentworth is an expert. So he's got plants that are really rare and really difficult. And he's also got easy stuff. So basically how we're going to do this giveaway is we're going to draw the winner later in the stream. And after you've won, uh, Michael will communicate with you and kind of get a, a sense of what your level of expertise is and what kind of setup you have. And based on that, he'll, he'll create a custom plant package for you. If you're a total expert and you have, I don't know, all the light intensity you need or CO2 or whatever, um, then 
he'll work with you to get you some really, you know, high end stuff. Um, if you're just beginning, he'll work with you to get you some stuff that you'll probably be able to succeed with to get your feet wet with plants. And if you're in the middle ground, he'll, he'll work with you there. So, so I don't know exactly what will, will be in the plant package because that'll be a, a discussion you and Michael have after you win. But if you're an expert in plants, he's definitely got some really cool stuff. So we're trying to make it so there's something for everyone so that no matter who wins and what your level of expertise is, you would be excited by what you get. So to enter to win this plant package from Great Plains Aquatics, please enter. This is super easy. I think Candy will be pleased. It's hashtag green, G-R-E-E-N, hashtag the color green. That's it. Candy, I done good, didn't I? I pat myself on the back for making Candy happy. Um, <laughs> so it's about as easy as they get. Hashtag green for a nice plant package. Now, while we're talking about Great Plains Aquatics, I would like to take just a moment to plug his store. Um, he's been very busy, so he hasn't put a lot on there recently, but he's got some things on there. He does have a store on uh, getgills.com. So if you want to go to Get Gills and check him out, it's Great Plains Aquatics. And um, he'll probably be adding some more stuff to this as well. But for now, this is his store. So feel free to check it out. So thanks again, Michael, for um, providing that. I know a lot of people are way into plants. And one other thing before we get going is if you have questions about the plant package or growing plants or um, what could be in the package and, and all that stuff. If you would put them in the comments and direct them to at Michael Wentworth, because um, I don't know a darn thing about plants. I'm not going to be able to help you. So if you would direct those to Michael, then he can, he can steer you um, through any questions or comments you might have about plants specifically. Now I'm going to get into the pitch. So I'm going to talk to you and report to you what the business has done since I last did this. I gave a report last year in 2019 and told you the breakdown of the business numbers, the costs and profits and all that. Um, pretty transparent here at Dan's Fish. And today I'm doing that not just to be transparent. Uh, sometimes I do just to keep people up to speed, but also I'm trying to raise the last bit of investment that we need in order to, com to complete our expansion. Um, so we have raised 300,000 of the 600,000 that we need to finish our warehouse and really kind of stop doing this small time is a thing to collect data in preparation for the expansion and to actually go full bore and expand and do this in a way that we're, we actually have an impact on the aquarium fish industry, which is our end goal. So again, we've raised 300,000. We're trying to raise 300,000 more. And so in return, um, basically the valuation is $600,000. Um, gets you 30% of the company. So there is 15% of the company left up for grabs for that 300,000. So I'm just gonna give you the numbers, go through it, tell you about my company, tell you what we do, tell you what the results have been. And if anyone is interested, I'm not asking for you to just give me money. Um, I'm gonna give you a return on that money. So what I'm asking is for folks that are interested in actually investing in the company. So I'm not saying, please go to my GoFundMe or send money to my PayPal or give me big super chats or anything. That's not what it is. It's, 
I'm treating you like investors. So what I'm looking for is people that want to actually put money in the company to own a piece of Dan's fish. So that's what we're doing. So with that, <clears throat> let me switch here into presentation mode. Um, okay, there we are and share my screen and I'll get into the pitch. So at Dan's Fish, we have a mission and that mission is to change the narrative of the aquarium fish industry. What the current narrative is, what I often hear out there from people that have tried to keep fish is, oh yeah, I had an aquarium once, but all the fish died. And I know some of you have heard this spiel before. You heard it last year when I gave the pitch, but there's a lot of new people here. Um, we've grown quite a bit since then. So I just want to go over briefly what it is that we do and how we do it so that those folks are up to speed. Okay, so again, I frequently hear, I had an aquarium, but all the fish died. And there's two big reasons for that. One is user error, basically, that people that get an aquarium sometimes don't know that there's a bunch of things they need to know to be successful with aquariums. Um, usually we're talking about the nitrogen cycle where you go from ammonia to nitrite to nitrate and you need biological back, uh, bacteria built up in your biological filter and all that. So if you don't know that and you just go to the pet store and you're like, oh, fish are pretty and you buy a bunch and you put them in a glass box without any cycling or anything, you're probably going to have a problem. So there's not a lot that we can do there except for things like this, where we're on YouTube every week answering questions, uh, talking with people and trying to trying to just get information out there and help people be successful. So that's one issue where people can lose fish quite easily. But the second is not their fault. The second is the supply chain. We have this crazy supply chain. It's, it's basically up here where you've got a farmer or a breeder or a collector um, someone goes from them, I call them a purchaser, and they buy their fish, and then they take them to an exporter. If we're lucky, sometimes they sell them to someone else, who I call an amalgamator, who's not here, um, and then they get them from lots of different purchasers, and then they take them to the exporter. But the basic point is there's all these steps before they get to the exporter. Then they go on a plane, and they come to an importer or a transshipper, or both, then to a wholesaler, then to a retailer, then to the end consumer. So by the time a fish has gone through all these steps, it might have been in a bag, basically, or some kind of transient container for a week or so. And the fish basically, each time it goes through a step in this process, is submitted to stress. It's put into a different kind of water. It's put in a different container usually, a change of bag, something like that. Um, and it just goes through stress. So often by the time fish get to the end consumer in our current supply chain, they're stressed out, their immune systems are very compromised and those fish often get sick for people. And that's why um, a lot of people get out of the hobby because even if they did their research and they were careful to cycle the tank and do all that, um, it's very likely that they're going to get fish that are highly stressed and for that reason might not be, uh, might not thrive for them and all the fish die after all that work. And so they just put the tank in the garage and they're done, right? That happens all the time. So 
one thing that we're doing here at Dan's Fish to change that is we're shortening the supply chain. So I buy directly from exporters. In fact, the last order I got and the order I'm getting in next not only come just from an exporter, but they also come from the gentleman that collected and bred most of those fish. So most of the rainbow fish that folks bought for me from the last order, those were actually collected by the gentleman I bought them from. And then he bred them at his facility and I bought the babies. So um, that if you look at that, it's even smaller than this. That's directly from exporter to me to end consumer. Now, sometimes, um, like right now, I do have someone in Texas that I work with who gets the fish, changes the water, um, makes sure everyone's okay, puts them in the boxes and, and forwards them to me. And that's just because right now during COVID, there's very few airports actually accepting cargo. And exporters are only sh shipping to a very limited number of airports. But when that's not happening, then sometimes I can buy directly from the breeder or exporter. They come straight to me and then to you. So that's, that's a very short, concise supply chain. But even when that's not the case, I'm still able um, to cut out a lot of the middlemen and a lot of the steps in the supply chain. And one of the reasons that's important for me to do, there's an obvious one, right? Which is if you cut out, um, hang on just a sec, I'm getting somewhere in the presentation here. Okay, good. If you cut out the middlemen, then you get more profit. But that's just one part of it. By cutting out those middlemen and saving on my purchasing, it allows me to take time to quarantine the fish and to really work with them to get them healthy before I ship them. That's the big difference between what I'm doing and what the rest of the industry at large does. Most of the industry is, how can I pass this on to the next step in the supply chain quick enough that the fish don't die on me so that I don't lose money? And they just go bop, 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 straight to the end consumer, fish are stressed and are likely to die. My philosophy is different. Um, I want the end consumer to be successful and get a, a fish that's as healthy and as likely to survive as possible. So by cutting out steps in the supply chain, I can save some costs. And with that savings, I can take the time to actually nurse the fish back to health, make sure it's recovered from the stress of collection or import or whatever um, before I ship it to you. So that's why we do that, to change the narrative from, yeah, I had fish, but they all died, so I'm done, to, yeah, I love my aquarium. It's awesome. I come home at the end of a hard day at work. I sit in front of it. It lowers my heart rate. I feel my stress kind of melt away, gets me in touch with nature, even though I live in the middle of a big city in an apartment or something. And um, I, I honestly think that really helps people. So that's why I do things the way I do. So what are the results of doing things that way? Well, they're pretty good. So here's the financial side of what's happened since I last reported in uh, last year. So from the beginning of this year until a couple days ago, um, I believe I prepared this on, what's the 23rd? Was that Sunday maybe? Um, 
Our yearly income so far for 2020 is a little over $75,000. That's excellent because last year at this time, we were at about $33,000. So we've more than doubled in our sales for what we did in 2019. In fact, we've made more money so far in 2020. We've made more sales than we did in all of 2019 combined. So that tells me that the word is spreading, that the customers are happy. Um, they're coming back and they're, they're sending their friends. So it's growing. So this process of really taking the time to get the fish healthy and de-stress them and get them used to aquarium foods and get them used to people at the tank looking at them and feeding them and cleaning the tank and all that. If you're a wild fish, it takes a little while to get used to all these things. Um, once they're settled and used to all that, then their stress level drops and their immune system is able to kick back in. Um, so we see that in the financials that that's working. Now, our expenses were fairly high this year so far. They're 61,000, call it 62,000. The reason for that is for the first couple of months of this year, we were building a new facility. We expanded into the annex. So we have this basement facility that I'm sitting in right now. Um, and in order to test what would happen if we expanded, we built an annex, which is just my garage, and doubled our capacity. I wanted to see what doubling our capacity would do to our margins and to our sales and, and all those things. Wanted to see if I doubled, would it just fall flat? Was it worth it? What, what would be the results? So we doubled. And so the, for the first couple months of 2020, I was basically building things and getting that new system up and running. So there weren't a lot of sales. I was focused on building the new facility, getting it ready instead of getting new fish in and selling. Um, so that was part of it. And then COVID hit. And so until April, we really had hardly any sales at all because we had hardly any inventory. It was difficult to get new fish in. Um, as soon as the annex was ready to go, I ordered some big orders. They were all coming. And then due to COVID, they ended up not arriving. And so there were a lot of expenses for the first three months of the year and very little income. So that's why our profit for this year is only uh, just under $14,000 or 18%. In 2019, our profit margin, our net was 40%, right around 40%. I think it was actually 42%. And so um, I know this is lower at 18, but I also know why it happened. And that's not a normal thing. This has been a very funny year. In fact, I have to say that I'm kind of proud that we made any profit margin. There's a lot of businesses that our negative profit margin for 2020. So with all the weirdness that 2020 has been, I'm actually kind of proud of an almost 20% profit margin. That's not, that's not too bad. Now I've done all the modeling. I've probably done 15 different models, di different ways. Um, and all the modeling shows that when we're done scaling, we'll be back up. So when we're done scaling out, our profit margin will be 30 to 40% sustainably long-term. So I do acknowledge that it's less right now but it's also been a funky time. I think we can all agree on that. So the trends. So what I did to see this, I wanted to, de to determine the exact difference that the expansion made. So these numbers I'm gonna show you are from uh, April th of this year through 
August 23rd of this year versus April of 2019 through August 23rd of 19. Because I'm trying to do apples to apples in this comparison to get a real idea of how things are going. So if I do that, and I'm starting in April because that's when sales actually started again this year. That's when I was able to get some inventory in and actually kind of have the business run more normally than it did the first three months when things were just kind of crazy with COVID um, and the construction. So if I look at that time period, our sales have increased by 188%. So we're almost 200% increase with the um, with bringing the annex, the expansion online. The number of, of orders we receive has increased by 109% and our average purchase price has jumped by 44%. It, it was, I think, 112 in 2019, 109, 112, something like that. And in 2020, it's been $151 roughly. So what that tells me is we're doing a lot more business. There's a lot more people ordering, a lot more orders. And when people order, they're doing bigger orders. So that both those trends are very encouraging. Now, something else we need to look at is if we, this is something we do when we market, we try to figure how much does the company earn from every customer it brings in over the lifetime of the company, basically. So if, 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 it, if a customer will earn you $300 over the lifetime of your company and you spend $500 per customer in marketing, that's a bad way to do business, right? But if you know you bring $300 into your business for each customer that comes to you over the lifetime of that customer, and um, it only costs you $100 to acquire a customer, then you can figure, okay, that's $200 profit based on your margins. Is that worth it? So there's, there's a little bit of math behind these numbers I'm going to share with you. Luckily for us, our customer acquisition cost is currently zero. It doesn't cost, we don't do any paid marketing or anything like that. All we try to do is add value to the community, um, be active in the community, let people know what we're doing, and um, trust that by adding value to the community, that that will um, have the positive kind of, I don't know, karmatic result of people coming and wanting to do business with us. And so there's some effort, there's some equipment costs, I suppose. I have to buy cameras. Um, there's some time involved in making the videos and, and being on social media and all that. But in general, as far as actual paid advertising, our cost is zero. The current estimated lifetime value for each customer is $336. And that's up quite a bit. That's up 34% from 2019. Um, how you calculate that is you figure out how likely a customer is to return to your store. So how many repeat customers do you have over time? And then you plug that into a formula that tells you how much a customer is likely to come back and how much they're likely to spend based on the average spend and the likelihood that they'll come back. So that number is increased from 200 and change. I forget how much exactly. Um, and is up quite a bit. So that's encouraging as well. So customers are coming and they're staying. They're returning more and more because they like what we do. And so it's called they're sticky. So they come and they, they stick. They stay with us. Um, so we're proud of that. Now this I don't need to spend a lot of time on because you're you're watching me on YouTube, so you already know I'm on YouTube. But when I pitch this to people that aren't in the fish community, um, just business 
folks that are interested in investing and aren't necessarily connected to fish at all, this is important for them. But basically, our live stream uh, attendance every week has gone up quite a bit. In fact, last week's live stream was over 2,000 folks that watched or watched the replay, attended or watched the replay. Um, I think the last four or five live streams have been well over 1,600 uh, participants or rewatchers. Um, which is up from about 900 in 2019. So that's a good increase we've had. And we have over a million views now and over 10,000 subscribers. So the YouTube channel is growing. I don't promote it. I'm not one of those people that is like, everyone subscribe now and just does any kind of tricks or hacks or anything. Again, my, my whole philosophy is if I add value, people will appreciate that and want to come to the YouTube channel and be part of it. So that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to add value. Um, we have lots of videos. You guys already know that. Lots of reviews out there. You can, oops, I totally jumped the gun on that. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to scroll a little bit, but not go to the next slide. Um, tons of reviews on GetGills. All my reviews from Aquabid when I used to sell there are still there. Um, out of hundreds of reviews, I think they're all positive. Um, no negative, one neutral. I think I have one neutral review out of all the hundreds. And out of all the ones on GetGills, they're all five star, except for one that is four star. Um, but the review is kind of reviewing the website, not the fish purchase. So take that for what it is. Um, but we do want to grow our customer base and put some gas on that because when we go into the warehouse, um, we're going to need to grow our customer base in accordance with that. So I'm going to talk about an affiliate program that we're working on launching uh, when we get to another slide about our challenges and what we're doing to, to mitigate those challenges. We're, um, we're just about through with the pitch. So Hopefully you guys are finding this interesting. If you're not, um, so sorry, but we're gonna be through it, through it soon. And then we'll get to the normal questions and comments and feedback and, and all that stuff. But uh, hopefully you guys are finding this interesting. I always found it fascinating when I could find any information, uh, when the curtain was pulled back on any type of fish business and I could see what are the margins? What are the costs? What are these things? So hopefully you guys are <laughs> liking this. Let me just burn through the last few here and then we'll get more into a dialogue. Okay. So I told you about the problem with the supply chain and the stress that puts on fish and all the losses that people experience when they buy fish, often from their local pet store. I have nothing against local pet stores, but often people will buy from there and they'll lose them. Or if they order online, often a lot of the fish arrive dead or in bad shape. It's just a reality. Um, in order to prevent that, it really takes time. It takes a couple weeks at least to let the fish de-stress, to get them used to being in an aquarium. And uh, most, most businesses are not set up, are not able, um, have, don't have a quarantine facility. They just don't have the ability or haven't set themselves up to have the ability to take that time. So You'll, you'll all be familiar with this. If you've ordered online from several sources or, or, or been in the hobby for any length of time, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm happy to report that so far in 2020, our arrive alive and stay alive percentage is very nice. 
0.62% of the fish that we send out arrive alive and stay alive according to our customer reports. So if a customer receives a dead fish and doesn't tell me, obviously I, I don't know that and that's not reflected in this statistic. Or if a fish comes in a little weak and dies a few days after and they don't tell me, then that's not reflected in the statistic. But according to the reports I have, the information I have from customers, and I'm pretty uh, active about encouraging customers to let me know when there is a problem, because I want to know what these numbers really are. According to that, we're doing really well. DOAs are two tenths of a percent, actually just a little under two tenths of a percent. And DOLs, which is my made up term for, for died later, not dead on arrival, but dead on later. So let's say I send you a fish and it's, it's alive, but it's, it's shaky. It's not doing really well. And then a couple days later or a week later or something, it dies. That's about just under two tenths of a percent as well. In fact, those are on par. Those are the same percentage. So altogether, that's less than four tenths of a percent that are lost either dead on arrival or pass away shortly after. Um, I'm really proud of that. It, it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of time put in to try to do this right and make sure that the fish are ready to ship and then try to process and ship them in such a way that they do arrive alive. So I love it when I crunch the numbers and I get a result like this. Less than half a percent, that's a tiny fraction, less than half a percent of the fish that we send out have a problem as far as we know. Um, in 19, I'm sorry, 19, <laughs> what, what decade is this? In 2019, last year, um, we had over 56% of our customers were repeat orders. That's the same for 2020. It's a little higher, but I haven't got an exact statistic for that simply because there's so many orders and customers now that it would literally take me like a week to tally all those and figure out how many repeat customers versus single customers and how and all that stuff. So um, I'm I'm waiting on Jonathan. Um, I've, I've got a lot of projects he's working on. For those that don't know, Jonathan um, is the technical lead and he programs all the stuff that I need to run all these reports and stuff. So he's working on generating a report automatically on the website. So I'll, know, I'll have an exact percentage of reorder, um, but I know it's over 56%. It's grown since last year. I just don't have the exact. I did enough to get to that point, but I don't I don't know how high, but it's pretty good. Over half our orders are from people that are coming back. So they must have had a decent enough experience that they want to come back. And there's lots of customers who have order, ordered more than 10 times from us. Um, in fact, there's some customers who simply won't order anywhere else right now. At least that's what they tell me. I'm sure if they were at the pet store and they saw their dream fish, they'd get it. But um is we have a very good retention rate. A lot of companies have an issue with churn. Churn is a description of someone comes and tries your business out and decides, oh, I didn't like that, and they move on. They churn out, new people come in, there's constant rotation. I'm happy to report we don't have that problem. Um, in fact, we're to the point now where there's a lot of other people, a lot of our customers who are excited about what we're doing and are active on social media and are putting the word out there for us. So anyone here that's doing that, I really appreciate it. That's one of the biggest helps we can have. So instead of us paying to market and get in front of people, we're just trying to do a good job 
and our customers are spreading the word for us. And social media makes that very effective. So thanks again to all of those who are kind of helping create that buzz. In fact, I'm very excited. I I wasn't going to say this because I don't reveal what who customers are and what they buy unless I know they don't care like Bob Kaler, Ginger Graves, you know, several of you. Um, I know you don't care. Maria Z. Um, but in general, unless I know you and know that that won't bother you, I just don't share that stuff. So I wasn't going to share this, but yesterday I saw that Gary Lang had put a post on Facebook about his experience purchasing from me. So it's out there in the public, so I'm free to talk about it. So I was thrilled that Gary Lang, kind of the the rainbow fish, more than guru, like the main rainbow fish guy in the United States, and one of the top three probably in the world, three or four, um, purchased from me. Um, He purchased some Melanotania classioensis, the classio creek fish, super rare fish, very limited range in the wild, very difficult to get. Um, Gary Lang knows who my source is. And so he was like, oh, I know that source. So he went ahead and purchased from me and I sent them to him. And he was um, so impressed with the packaging and the shipping process that he started using it now. He put a whole face on rainbow fish, a whole face, (laughs) a whole post on Facebook on the Rainbow Fish Live Facebook group talking about it. Um, So since he did that, I can now tell you about it since he made it public. But it was just so gratifying to see that someone who has been doing this since at least the 80s and who is a true authority and knows all there is to know was like, actually, this might be a better way to ship and started trying it and kind of reported that he liked it. And he's going to continue playing with it. And if it continues to have good results... Uh, it sounded from his post like he's going to switch to that. So it's that kind of positive buzz that just when I hear it, I, I just feel so good because like, okay, all the effort's worth it. <laughs> it's really helpful when you do a good job and people notice and just talk about it. So that was kind of a love fest. Up till now, everything's been pretty good except for the net profit because of the first three months, 18% versus the 40% or 42% it was last year. But everything else has been kind of like, you know, butterflies and, and happiness. But we have two major challenges that we need to survive, to, to solve if we're going to survive and thrive long term and through expansion. The first is inventory peaks and valleys, and the second is our sell-through rate. So inventory peaks and valleys. I mean, if you came here and saw the facility, you'd probably be like, dude, that's a ton of tanks. And it is a lot of tanks, but it's not a lot of tanks for an importer, which I am. In order to import directly, which is my business model, um, I have to order many thousands of fish at a time, like five, 6,000 fish or more. I tend to deal in small, peaceful fish. And so I'm not ordering like a giant catfish that takes an entire box by itself. There's typically eight bags in each box and there can be up to a couple hundred fish in a bag. So depending on the size of the fish and all that. So basically I have to order in large volume in order to import. And that's the only way to make it feasible economically. And that's the only way that the exporters are interested in doing business with someone. Um, So 10 boxes or more is kind of the minimum to order. 
in a small facility like I have, what that means is I have to clear a lot of tank space before I can do each new import, each new order. So we get a new order in, everyone goes through quarantine, and then usually about two weeks later, they're ready to sell. So I get in an order two weeks later, I post them for sale, and we get a ton of sales because there's a new fish up and people are excited. So our customer base sees that and does what a customer base does and, and buys them. And so for the first week or two after a new import, there's a lot of sales because there's a lot of new stuff and people are excited. But then what happens after a couple of weeks, the sales drop precipitously. Did I say that right? Um, the word was right in my mind, maybe not on my tongue, but they, sh they drop sharply. And the reason is, is we have a great customer base and it's very loyal, but it's not big enough that we can sell through large imports rapidly. So we go through this feast or famine phase where we get a bunch of fish, people buy them, but there's not enough people to buy them all. And that's why our sell through rate starts fast and then slows down that kind of second problem. So it's twofold. One is our customer base, although it's wonderful and I love each and every one of you and it's very loyal, um, it's not big enough to absorb an import quickly. And the second problem is not only is spatial, it has to do with the size of our facility. So big import, lots of empty tanks, big import, fill them all. Well, now our customer base has bought through what it wants to, and I still have tanks full of fish, so I can't do another import because I don't have room. So I have to sell through for a while until I can clear enough space to then do another import. So our inventory goes like this. We get inventory in and then we can't keep it high. It comes in and then I have to sell off, sell off, sell off so I can make the room to bring in the next import. And then it takes a while to sell off, sell off, sell off so I can make the room to bring in the next import. That's one reason I want to expand because with the expansion, I'll be able to about triple my tank space. We'll end up with at least 350 aquariums in the new warehouse. With that many aquariums, I'll almost always have enough room to be able to do a new import. And so every two weeks or so, I plan to bring in a new import. So just spatially, that will solve a lot of problems. Now, as far as the sell-through rate, that has to do with growing the customer base. And so the way we're going to do that is an affiliate program. So I can't tell you who, but I'm working with a couple um, influencers right now, folks with good followings um, who have people that follow them and aren't aware of me. They're much bigger channels or social media influencers than I am. And also do business and understand fish in a way that I think is compatible with the dance fish brand. So they're not just out for like, it's not like catch them all fishing or something, right? Where it's, where it's, uh, they're doing wild things for views and that's very effective. They get tons and tons of views, but it's folks that um, are actually trying to educate and, um, I believe adding a lot of value to the hobby to solve that first problem people have with success with fish, which is just knowing how to take care of fish, right? Knowing how to cycle a tank, for example.
and things like that. So I can't tell you who they are yet, but we've talked to a few influencers. Um, we've got a couple that are very interested and um, we're pretty much ready to go with all, everything's almost done except for the signing, the official signing. So having that influencer uh, support to help spread the word about Dan's Fish will grow our customer base and solve a lot of those sell-through issues. So the inventory will be solved by the warehouse and the customer base issue will be solved by the new uh, affiliate program that we're launching. So folks have seen this, but this is a basic mock-up of the warehouse. Um, this is a row of 75 gallon aquariums right here. Basically all of the 75 gallon aquariums I have here in the basement will fit along this back wall. And then these are all rows of 40 gallon breeders, all these white rows. Um, this is basically a packing station, a boxing station, and then we put the orders here and then they can go out this door when they're ready to be shipped out. So that's the basic layout of the warehouse, a bathroom here, workstation here, some desks, these red things are desks. These kind of metallic looking things are sinks. And that's, and then these are more aquariums. This is the quarantine station right here. So an in medicating station, hospital station, if you will. So that's the basic layout of where we're going um, and what we're going to be using the 600,000 that we're raising to do. So that there, let me get out of this and get back to my other screen. That's the pitch. Those are the numbers. Um, that's what's happened since we built the annex and the results the annex has had on the business. So here's my big ask. Anyone who's interested in investing in this company, if you would send me an email, I'm interested in talking with you. Again, we've already raised 300,000 and I'm happy to say that not all those people are fish people. Um, people that are just pure business people are interested in, in this as well. And to me, that's important because I can understand someone that really likes fish being like, yeah, that's totally cool. I'll do that. But there's some kind of uh, validation when someone who isn't a fish person and has a ton of experience in business and invests in companies for a living, basically, um, also decides to invest. And we do have one investor in that category. And they're not related to me or anything. It's not like my best buddy or college roommate or, or anything like that. It's a, it's a business relationship, pure and simple. So, if you're interested in coming in, um, again, uh, the valuation is 600000 for 30%, which means for this last 300000 that we have to raise, 15% is on the table. And I guess I should talk about that a little bit. So this month, we're at over $22,000 in sales in August. And so we'll triple our inventory, if you will, the number of species and varieties we can offer by moving into the warehouse. So that right there, if we just grow on par with what we're doing this month, and by the way, August is usually one of the slowest months of the year for fish sales. So in one of the slowest months of the year for fish sales, we're doing over $22,000 in sales, um, which is up, that's a couple hundred percent at least over what we did um, in 2019 this month. So if we extrapolate that, then tripling our space, tripling our inventory, if that triple sales, then we'll be at 60,000 a month with that first building. 
the property that we have um, can handle much more than that. We could easily fit four warehouses on that property. It's on a river and I have clearance. I had a, a meeting Monday and got the clearance from the Department of Environmental Quality to uh, go ahead and go for it. Um, I'm working with the state engineer's office right now on the final permitting. So Depart DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality, make sure that we're doing things in a way that won't harm the local environment. And that's very important to me. Even if there wasn't a regulating agency, I would still make sure I did that. And then the engineer's office um, okays the amount of water we need to draw from the river on the property in order to run the facility. So the plan is, for those that haven't heard it, to uh, we're building this warehouse on a river. We'll pump water from the river into the warehouse, clean it up, run it through the aquariums, clean it up and return it to the river. And we can do enough flow um, that we don't even need to have filters or anything in the tank. So it'll be, just be this constant flow through the tanks. It'll basically be like the fish are living in the river. Um, and I'm excited about that because with that kind of turnover, that's going to solve a lot of problems that we have with fish keeping. They'll just have constant fresh water. It'll be as if they are living in the river. That's what we're going for. And so far, the engineer's office and the DEQ office have all said, yep, this looks good. We don't see that this will harm the environment at all. In fact, the water I'm returning to the river is cleaner than the water I remove from the river. So I'm actually doing a service to the river by, uh, by doing this. So, so that's where the property is, a nice piece of property right on the river. And that's how we're going to operate and run the warehouse. Um, so I'm, I've done... I've got those clearances. Um, I've met with a couple engineering firms and one, one specializes in water and a couple that do water as well as many other things. And um, I'm bidding that out by the end of this week. I hope to have their bids, at which point the permit will be finalized and I'll have the, the engineering team I need in place to make sure that we're pumping the right water in the right way to make this all work, the right PSI and, and all that. I can handle just about everything else, but I feel more comfortable with engineers designing the intake and the output taken from the river and returning to the water, to the river, and making sure we're doing that in a way that we're not going to like uh, degrade the bank or, or wash anything out or anything like that. So working on that, met with a contractor today to look at the property, um, starting to bid out the job for the building of the warehouse and all that. So everything's in motion. The trains left the station. We're moving along. We just need to collect that final 300,000. And um, the plan is to have the warehouse. Okay. If all goes as hoped, uh, the ideal for me would be to get the warehouse built before winter sets in because winter's really cold here in Wyoming and it's hard to build outside <laughs> during the winter. And then during the winter, I can be inside the warehouse building it out, building all the racks, installing the air system, um, getting all the aquariums set up and, and plumbing everything together and all that. So that by spring or early summer of next year, hopefully we're actually up and running. That's, that's the timeline I'm hoping for. Um, worst case scenario, end of next summer, we're up and running. That's, that's kind of how I foresee things happening. So that's uh, 
that's where we're at. So with that, with that pitch out there, and again, if you're interested in investing in the company, please email me, dan at dancefish.com. Um, we could, if one person comes in at 300,000, then we're done. The evaluation stands. Um, if 30 people come in at 10,000, then we're done. Like, I'm not sure that's going to shake out. I'll have to see how you folks respond. And there's other folks that are don't watch this or not fish people that I'm going to be pitching and talking to as well. But um, man, if we could get it all done tonight, great. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so I don't know exactly how that'll shake out, but um, I'm hoping that, that some folks that are watching um, are able to invest and interested in doing, and I can get you all the information you need for that. I've, I've got write-ups ready to send you. So with that, I'm going to get to the questions and comments. I saw one here that I thought was really good. Peplin Creek Aquatics, what about quarantine water with meds in it? So this is a great question. Or salt or things like that. So that won't be returned to the river if it is not killed by ozone or UV. So when the water comes in, it goes through sediment filtration to take out all the cloudiness and stuff. Then it goes through, it's hit by an ozone generator, which basically kills any organic material and, and denatures chemical compounds. So if there are fertilizers in the river, it'll, it'll tear those apart. If there's ammonia in the river, it'll tear that apart. It, if there's any viruses or um, bacteria in the river, it'll, it'll destroy that. So it's a purifier. Then it will go through carbon, that's to remove any excess ozone, then through the system. And then on the way out back to the river, same thing. It'll go through sediment filtration, it'll go through ozone to again purify it, and then through carbon, and then back to the river. So any medicines that we put in the tanks will be neutralized by the ozone. Now, based on what I, what I get back on the actual, that's the other thing I did this week is I submitted um, water samples to a lab. They're doing BOT, which is biological oxygen um, demand, COT, which is um, chemical oxygen demand, and DOT, which is something else I forget. But the three things that put demand on oxygen and water, and, and lots of other tests, because I want to understand this water perfectly. And based on those results, I'll know exactly which ozone generator I need to purchase, because it's based on oxygen demand that you size your ozone generator. Um, and so I'll know exactly how much that will cost. Up till now, it's just I've got a range of costs for the ozone generator. When these results come back in about a week, I'll be able to get with the firm and be like, okay, here's the results and we can actually pinpoint it. Based on those costs, I'll also look at UV lighting and UV lighting or ozone can both do this and I'll just see which is efficient and best for the job once I get those costs back. But whatever it is, um, whichever way I go, medicines will be destroyed as they come in and as they leave. Now, any medicines, if I use ozone or UV, any medication or chemicals I use that are not denatured by ozone or UV will not go out that system. So if I use any of those medicines, I'll turn off the system to that tank and um, I have the engineering team working on a, a method to get rid of those. There's two, there's two possibilities. 
One is there are certain chemicals that in certain concentrations you can just put into the city sewer system and they won't do any damage. And then there's other chemicals at other concentrations that will do damage, in which case a cistern is installed. That water that has those chemicals in it goes into a cistern. And then there is a company that treats that kind of wastewater that comes and collects that as needed when that cistern gets full and disposes of it. So uh, it's a good it's a good question, Peplin Creek. And um, that's one reason I've been meeting with the engineers and things, folks that design these systems for a living to figure out things like that. But I had a discussion with them this morning. That's that's kind of the route we decided. All right, I'm going to the top to get to the questions and comments. So here we go. Oh, before I do that, just a reminder, um, Great Plains Aquatics is generously giving away a plant package and that plant package can be tailored to novices, people in the middle or experts. So if you're, whatever your level of expertise is for plants or whatever your setup is, um, whoever wins, Michael Wentworth from Great Plains Aquatics will custom tailor a plant package with you. So when you win, uh, you guys will email and discuss and based on your expertise and your setup, he'll get a plant package together for you. To enter that, it is simple. It's hashtag green. And I'll draw that a little later tonight. Thanks again, Michael Wentworth for um, doing that, for providing tonight's giveaway. Okay. Oh, and also if you have questions uh, about plants, please direct them to Michael Wentworth. I believe he's here in the chat um, because I know hardly anything about plants. He'll be much better, <laughs> a much better person to uh, answer those questions than I. Chewy LTD saying hello, hello back. Maria Z saying nice going, thank you. Killers Aquatics, congrats on the approval of Gary. <laughs> oh yeah, I was, that tickled me pink. Um, yeah. That was definitely nice affirmation. Gary Lang saying, hey, this is a good way to do things. I'm going to try it. That was cool. Moonstone Aquatics, the shipping is raised the bar. Security is everything for online customers like myself. Just my opinion. Cool. Thanks, Moonstone. Um, I mean, I see the results in the data. I, there's no question that it's the way to go. Crystals, pets, and plants, hello right back to you. Moonstone Aquatics, are there market analysis documents for those that are interested? Um, so there's there's basically an investor package that'll send you. If you're interested in investing, email me, Dan at Dan's Fish, and I will send you the, the package. Um, and it has market analysis in it and things like that. Really quickly, um, based on the National Pet Survey for 2019, the market for live fish in the United States was just under half a billion dollars. Um, now, this is not an area where you can get into a lot of minutiae. They kind of say that and not much else. But I know there's at least half a billion dollar market. Um, and I expect to be able to, to carve off a decent chunk of that. I've worked for a company that is smaller than where I will be at when I scale. And that company had quite limited stock in things um, and, and was managed according to the old way, like the industry norm of bring them in, ship them out basically, right? And um, I know since I worked there that a company of that size can do a million a year um, 
the way they did things. So I, I expect to be able to do more than that as we grow larger than that and do things in a way that retains more customers longer term. Oh, in, in the, the market has grown about 4% a year for the last six years, something like that. But I think we can do better. I think this industry, because I'm talking about it as an industry right now, not as a hobby, right? I think that the aquarium fish industry um, is eating its own tail, basically, is how I describe it. Because with that with the current model of business, that supply chain and the idea of, okay, I buy them from a collector and then I sell them as quick as I can to this person. And then that person sells them as quick as they can to the exporter and they sell them as quick as they can to the importer and they sell as quick as they can to the wholesaler and all that. And the fish never get a break. Um, I think that ends up with a lot of people who would be in this hobby long-term and therefore help the industry grow long-term. Um, I think that a lot of people get out of it because they just get sick fish or stressed fish. So my goal is to not just get people good fish so they have a good experience, but I also think that's going to grow the industry. I think over time that will grow the pie substantially. All right, Kids Aquatics, when will investors be public? Um, that's a good question. I. I think at this time, uh, Bob, I'm, I'm leaving that up to each individual investor if they want to share that or not. What I think I'll do, Bob, is I'll contact my current investors and ask if they would like a shout out. Like if, if I have current investors that would appreciate a shout out, then I guess I should have done that months ago. I didn't even think about that. My thought up till now has been protecting pr privacy of people, but, um, I should, I should do a contact of my current investors and ask if they want me to shout them out and um, do the same as new investors come in. Because if people want to shout out, I'm happy to do it. Um, I was trying to just protect people's privacy and let them talk about it if they wanted, but not kind of out them. But maybe I thought about that wrong. Maybe investors would be excited if I <laughs> told people they were in. So let me rethink that. Uh, let me give myself a note here. I just definitely don't want to do that without permission, but maybe I, maybe protecting privacy, I should have asked. I just never did. Orange cones, do fish room tours. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> of other people's fish rooms, that's hard because there aren't really many in my town. Of my fish room, um, yeah, it's been a long time since I've done a full tour. If you're ready for a three-hour video, we'll do that tour. Good news is Danikin Aquatics did a really thorough tour of my fish room when he was here. So I think shortly he'll be releasing one. Ken from Danikin. Um, Peplin Creek Aquatics. What about quarantine water and meds in it? I thought that was a very insightful question, Peplin Creek. I've wondered the same thing. Sebastian Aquatics. Oh, it jumped on me. Sorry, Sebastian. Let me see if I can get back up there. Hopefully I can. As soon as I said your name, chat went, nope, and it jumped. Jeez. Hang on. I'm trying. There we are. Okay, found you. Sorry about that, Sebastian. I hope you get it, bud. That warehouse sounds killer. I've been dreaming of this warehouse for years. Like, yeah, it's, I wish I could just take it from my mind and go, whoop and put it on the property. But 
I'm just excited to have a property that works. Finding the right riverfront property has been, I started looking last year, last summer. So it's, it's been a long time coming. Beast Heart, a couple things about your business. When will you hire the first employee? Liability protection. Yeah, we've, we, we're definitely down with liability protection. Possible partnership with the Aquarium Co-op. Additional cost of new location. Okay, operational cost of new location. Great. So Beast Heart, um, first employee, I kind of already hired. Um, it's not a full-time person. Well, I've had Pistol for a long time. So those who have followed me for a long time have seen Pistol Abbott. Yes, that's his name, Pistol Like the Gun, Abbott, um, who helps me pack. So Pistol's come in once a week for a long time and helped me pack. Recently, I did hire another employee. It's part-time though, and it's it's a kid that really likes fish. And so I hired him to kind of do tank maintenance. So he changes filter floss and box filters and scrubs down algae and stuff like that. Um, but that's a part-time position. Full-time, it's gonna be pretty quick. My hope is I can get this round closed and get construction going. And as soon as the warehouse is getting close to being online, I'll definitely need to hire uh, one or two employees for sure. If the warehouse is going to take a while, I might still need to hire someone. I'm, I'm literally to the point where um, I can't, I almost can't handle more new business by myself without hiring some help. So I had a meeting with my investors last night and we were looking at the numbers and thinking about things and seriously considering perhaps hiring my first employee um, pretty darn soon. Yeah. Let's see your liability protection. Yeah, that's just insurance. That's not difficult to get. Um, and key man insurance is important too. Like if I died, or was hit by a bus or couldn't continue leading the company. Um, at this stage, at least, that would probably kill the company. Um, in a few years, hopefully it won't. Hopefully in a few years, we'll have a full staff and people will know what to do and all that stuff. But we'll definitely take out key man insurance on me as well as liability protection like any business would have. Um, possible partnership with Aquarium Co-op. I don't think that will ever happen, but an affiliation with Aquarium Co-op is is definitely something I'm interested in for sure. Um, I don't think it would be smart to pull the trigger on that until the warehouse is up and running just cause I'm already at the limit of what I can handle uh, right now. And in what my facility can handle, even if I hired another employee, but once the warehouse was up and running, then I think it would uh, be worth talking to Aquarium co-op about an affiliation. Um, because at that point, I'll be able to handle whatever that ends up being thrown at me business-wise. And then operational costs, um, I need to bring up a report, but I can tell you what that is. Um, so if you'll bear with me, because this is probably interesting for lots of people, so it's probably worth taking just a moment to bring that up. So, okay, let me look at the latest one here. I have lots of projections and things like that that I've done. Okay. Go. So here we go. So at, see here, hang on real quick. Let me just find the right column. This is a little bit, um, okay. 
there's a lot of information here to sort through. Okay, got it. Let me find, okay. So at $60,000, which is what we'll be able to do in the warehouse, I think without just without much problem at all. That's just on par with what we're at this month. So even if we don't grow at all or anything and we just triple our offerings and therefore triple our sales without having um, just grown as a company in addition to that, which we will do. So conservatively is what I'm trying to say. Then at $60,000, our expenses will be like our total expenses will be about $48,000 at that much. Um, actually, hang on, we'll do better than that. So I played with these columns and put in test things like what if we spent this much on marketing? What if we spent this much in stuff? So we're actually at, let's see here, we'll probably be at two or three employees. Um, so, let me just fix a couple numbers here to get you something accurate instead of the numbers I put in just to play around. Okay. Just one moment. The spreadsheet doesn't want to cooperate. Oh, I know why. Okay, just a sec. I had this set up in such a way that it's not cooperating. I'm almost there, guys. This is a good question. Okay. So, at that, doing about 60000 our expenses are going to come in, variable expenses, 28000 roughly, uh, fixed expenses, 4000 roughly. So, we're talking 32000 um, or so, thirty-two to 34000 in expenses on $60,000 of sales per month. So um, yeah, I would say around 34,000 is a very uh, safe estimate based on the modeling that I've done. And I've been very careful about that and pretty conservative also in those projections. So Beastart, I think that answers um, all those questions in that, in that comment. Just one more fish with Josh. Am I a first-time Corridor's parent? I am a first-time Corridor's parent. Both the albino and the Juliari. Very exciting. Breeding is pleasure. You know it, Josh. Congratulations, Papa. <laughs> That's awesome. Congrats. That's so exciting. Corys are so fun to breed. Man, they're they're just neat fish all around. Dio Contreras, when are you getting more Sudamugo forcatus? Um, the new import is slated to arrive September 3rd, next week, next Thursday. Now, that's almost completely locked in. There is one connecting flight they were waiting for confirmation on, but it looks like September 3rd is when it will come in. Indoor fishing inside. Oh, and by the way, that report, that, uh, that report, that import has uh, forcatus in it. So hopefully they come. Back to indoor fishing inside. Hey, my Gertrude de Kai arrived today. Nice and healthy. Thanks. You're welcome. I can't wait for you to see them when they settle in and color up. They're like Gertrude all dressed up for the prom. They're pretty awesome. Good to hear. Thanks. Fish Tank Barn. What is your plan to staff the warehouse? So 
The plan basically is I know that I personally can handle about $20,000 of business a month. So moving in the warehouse will automatically need at least one employee until we're at about 40,000 a month. And then I assume we'll need another employee till we're at about 60,000 a month. So this is just guessing based on that number until I get in there and we're actually operating at that scale. The honest truth is Mike, it's, I'm just modeling on spreadsheets. Reality will tell me what I have to do. Um, but based on I'm able to handle 20,000. So I'm assuming just as an easy extrapolation that every $20,000 we hire an employee, at least for the first bit. I mean, in economies of scale, things will change a bit. But that's kind of what the spreadsheet says. What reality says might be might be different. Um, but the basic thing is, as you can kind of tell from from how I've operated, um, almost anyone else would have already hired an employee. But I'm very frugal, and so I'll basically hire an employee anytime I really have to. So if there's something we need to do and we just can't do it and doing that will improve the company and we can't do it without an employee, then I'll hire an employee. Or if we just can't keep up with orders um, and in order to fulfill orders and and do good customer service, we have to hire an employee, then I'll hire an employee. Um, The the reality will have to direct that for me. So spreadsheet says every $20,000, at least for the first few employees. I don't know, Mike. Honest, the honest truth is I don't know what reality will tell me once we're in the situation. Michael Wentworth, are you offering internships or residency for warehouse workers? Um, kind of. The way I plan to hire employees is basically, say, gather applicants. Hopefully they're fish nerds. I really like fish nerds, and I think fish nerds care, and I want this company to be a company that cares. But receive the applications, go through them, find who I think is most qualified, right? And then tell that person, hey, come work with us for two months, uh, two months, sorry, for two weeks. I'll pay you. You won't be an employee. You'll be a, a contractor, but come work with us for two weeks. Let's see how we play together in the sandbox. So work with them for two weeks. Maybe they take a vacation from their job or whatever. Um, and that can be a little flexible, but basically I want to work with the person for realsies for a little bit. And then based on that hire. So I suppose it's not really an internship or a residency, but it's, it's kind of a, let's get to know each other. Let's see how we play in the sandbox. And if we play good together, then, then let's talk about making this a more permanent relationship. Um, so I'm kind of stealing that from the tech world where if you go to, uh, get a job at a, at a business that's starting up as one of the, you know, first few employees, say you're the technical CTO or something like that. They want to hire a technical lead or something. Um, they'll generally bring that person in and actually work together for a while because this is going to be a long-term relationship and we want to make sure everyone's happy. So I don't know if you call that an internship or a residency, but that's as far as I've got on that kind of thing. Mega Mindy Lou, what about pH, hardness, and softness? Doesn't river water fluctuate? It does. It does fluctuate. Um, but so do rivers in nature. Um, so it's not something in lakes and everything else. It's not something completely foreign to fish. 
Um, I actually have a big report that's been done over several years on the exact creek I'm drawing from. And I've looked at those fluctuations and they're there, but they're not, they're not extreme. We're close enough to the mountain. We're literally like right at the base of this big mountain range where the snow is and it runs off and comes right here. So it's not like the river is running for hundreds of miles or thousands of miles before it gets to me. And through that time, based on the seasons, it's picking up all these different things and, and all that. It's pretty close to the source. So what I'm getting is, is snow runoff pretty close to where the runoff occurs. So there's minimal fluctuations. They do happen, but they don't, they aren't radical and they aren't huge. One thing that's cool is the groundwater here um, at that location is really clean and also has a, a lot of carbonate hardness. So eventually I'd like to make one of the warehouses run on that. This is down the road, <laughs> not the first warehouse or probably the second, but it, at some point I'd like to build a warehouse that uses groundwater because then it'll be naturally hard water with a lot of calcium carbonate in it, a lot of KH. And uh, that'll be really nice for live bears and, and fish that like hard water. So the good thing is on that property, there's two sources, the river, which is nice, soft water, kind of like what I'm using now. In fact, my city water comes from the same mountain range and groundwater, which is nice and hard, but also clean. Gnarly fish tanks, GT aquatics, river water chemistry may change depending on the time of year. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly what Megan Mindy Lou talked about. Um, but I've got the report for, several years at several different times of the year. And that water, that, that creek's been studied a lot. And it looks like it's manageable gnarly. It doesn't look like it's anything that would be detrimental to the fish. Chevy fish, what about pumping water in winter? Won't it be frozen? No, uh, the, the river runs year round. And the way it's been engineered is the pipes will run way down under the, under the ground and the water will be drawn from, um, a deep enough area that we're not, we're not going to have any freezing problems. Now, as a contingency, we are hooked up to city water. So if something ever happened, this has not happened as long as people have been living by this river and have records of it. But if something ever happened and the river dried up or, um, or froze solid or something like that, we are hooked up to city water. So I could, um, you know, put sponge filters and everything and still continue the business that way. Or I could dig a well on the property and um, use that water. So there are alternatives for if there was a problem or with that. But so far in the history of that river, as long as there's been history written down about it, it's, it hasn't frozen solid and it hasn't even got close to drying up. Pepland Creek Aquatics sounds like you're on top of it. Um, well, I've had a lot of help. I've talked to a lot of engineers. I've talked to the, the agencies that regulate that spot and know it well and everything. And this isn't something that I was like in a bar last night and I was like, hey, I've got an idea. <laughs> you know, this is something that we've been carefully planning for a few years. So um, now there's still things I'm sure that I don't know. So I appreciate the questions and things. Please keep them up, keep probing because you might hit on something that I'm like, you know what? That's super important and I haven't thought of that. So yeah, 
but done our best, uh, Peplin Creek. We've been thinking about this for a long time and not just me. I've had experts in the different areas uh, that we'll need to know about helping. Igor, I didn't say Edgar. Yes, Igor Anonymous. Do you have any redfin to pisto agazizii? I, I thought I saw them on, in your store. Um, I have a few double red agazizii left, but I'm almost out of them. So, and I think I only have males. So, if you want a couple males, send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. Uh, if you want pairs or if you want a good number of them, I'm, I'm really low. So, herb diversity could the tanga half beak live with tetras and endler guppies? I honestly do not know. Um, they're very sedate fish. They're pretty quick to the food once they learn about the food, but they would be outcompeted by an absolute mob of guppies or tetras. I'm keeping them um, different half beaks with like chocolate gouramis, very slow, sedate fish. Pygmy corridoras, don't bother them at all. Brocus coris. So I'm trying to keep them with stuff that is either very slow and sedate or stays on the bottom of the aquarium. And I've had great luck that way. I have kept them with like endlers, but they were in a large tank and there were maybe six endlers in the tank. It wasn't like there was a mob of endlers in the tank. So I think it could work if, if the numbers were small of the other fish in the tank, but um, they will get out competed by a mob for sure. Chewy LTD, out of wanting to know how available are West African Lamprologus cichlids from the Congo. Um, pretty available, several of them, not all of them. Pretty available. Um, that is an import I'm interested in doing. It probably won't happen until the warehouse is up and running. But there are a lot of neat killifish, a lot of neat uh, nanochromis, a lot of really neat tetra, uh, yeah, tetras out of there spectacular fish that you almost never see in the hobby, uh, along with some of the riverine Lamprologus species. And those come out of uh, more the Democratic Republic of the Congo than like Nigeria and stuff. There's a few up in Nigeria. There's a lot of, there's a, a whole diversification that happened in the basin there um, in the uh, DRQ. Guppy Shack, my glow light Daniels and Pygmy Cories are doing great. Thanks again, Mike. Hey, Mike, I'm glad to hear it. Glad you like them. And uh, glow light Daniels are no joke. They're seriously stunning, beautiful fish. I'm, I'm glad you like them. Michael Wentworth, the market for live fish was just under half a billion dollars. What about dead fish? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> Touche, Michael. I, I guess it depends on which company you bought your fish from as to what that value would be. <laughs> Man. Absolute Aquatics, I think it's important that you remind everyone the minimum investment amount. I haven't put a hard minimum in yet, Absolute. Um, we're not interested in like pennies or anything. Um, but again, it could be 30 people at 10,000. It could be one person at 300,000. It could be one person at 100,000 and four at 50,000. I'm, I'm pretty flexible for it. The thing that is not flexible is the evaluation. So 15% of the company for 300,000. I've already brought other investors in um, at that valuation. So I, I can't, there's no negotiation there. I can't do that because that would kind of screw over the already committed investors. But the amount, uh, yeah, that's something that could be quite flexible. 
Cryptiversity. Could the Hamira Hampton Tenga half peaks? Oh, we already got that one. Got that one. Well, heavily planted helps. Heavily planted 29 gallon. Could the half beaks live in there? Heavily planted, lots of surface plants. That does help. But still, if there's a crowd of those other things, a crowd of endlers or tetras, that, that could outcompete them. B start. With using river water, there is some kinds of fish disease that there is no cure for. Does that mean you will sanitize water into and out to prevent spread of fish disease? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So there's a couple ways to do that. Even if you can't kill them, when you get down to the finest micron sediment filters, that catches almost everything. And then the ozone or UV, I'm leaning towards ozone still, um, should pretty much kill almost anything that's organic if the concentrations will be using it at. Orange cones. Wait, I'm missing super chats. I better do that. Snap wrench. Throwing down five bucks and saying, keep it up, I will. I'll keep stepping. It's 821. Kids Aquatics throwing down 10 bucks and there's Pippi. <laughs> Thanks, Kids Aquatics. I really appreciate it. I always like Pippi. She's hilarious. <laughs> Those are the only two I see. I hope I didn't miss any. I haven't really been looking. I've been concentrating on the pitch. Um, we might go a little long today. What I'm going to do is just look for any questions about the business um, that people have and probably ignore everything else because we've only got a few minutes left and I want to get to all those questions while we're talking about the business and seeking investment. Orange Cones, isn't a friendly fishmonger selling fish as food? This might lose me some subs, but I love to go fish for trout and I love cooking and eating trout. So I'm, I guess I'm weird. I keep fish as pets, but I also eat them. Color guppies, you will succeed. I love the model and the integrity behind the business. Thank you, color guppies. Um, yeah, we're already halfway there and I like the momentum's building. Like every day things progress, like at this point exponentially, like things are really moving along. Oh, by the way, I want to mention there are some folks that have contacted me um, over the last several months since the last pitch that were interested in investing, but it wasn't the right time. Um, I'll be reaching out to you uh, to see if you're still interested. So I haven't forgot about you. If you don't have an email from me by early next week, I plan to send those out on Friday. I'll, I'll just be packing fish until then. I'll be really busy. But um, on Friday, I plan to send those out. I'm going to write myself a note. Um, so if you're one of those people and you have not received an email from me uh, by early next week, please feel free to contact me again. There were a lot of people that were interested, but I had already raised enough to build the annex and I didn't feel comfortable accepting more investment until the annex was up and running and we could collect some data from it and I could make sure that, yeah, this actually does make sense to build the warehouse and business-wise, it looks like we're all good. So I put a lot of people on hold. Um, I haven't forgot about you. If you haven't got an email from me by early next week, that means I'm somehow it slipped through the cracks and I apologize um, and feel free to, to contact me, please. Because now we're at the point where we're doing that. Doug Mason, is there a minimum investment? Not really. Um, 
you know, under $10,000 is probably gets a little bit difficult because then you're talking about small percentages of the company in return for that much. But 10,000 or more is very doable. Um, and it can also be a syndicate. So if there's several people that want to go in for a smaller amount and go in together, um, and together they can pull together 10,000 or more, then I'm, I'm happy to entertain that as well. So if you want to invest and you don't want to invest 10,000, but you want to do maybe a couple thousand and you find other people that want to invest too and, and create a little syndicate, that's fine as well. But less than 10,000 at this point, I think would get uh, fairly unmanageable, honestly. Hang on, chat jumped, so let me scroll up here. Okay, working on it. Okay, that as far as I can go up is Michael Wentworth um, talking about the three-hour video tour. Yeah, it's like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> you might get stuck. <laughs> Vio Contreras, when are you getting more of Pseudomilgo Fricatus? I hope to have them in next Thursday. Um, Max, Dad, Chris, your airline tube is out of your sponge filter. I am really going to just look for uh, comments and questions about the business, but... <laughs> There, there is no sponge filter in there. That's just, I just bubble air there to break up surface tension. So that's okay. And here there is no airline either. I don't have a Venturi system on, sorry, I should do that this way. So this is supposed to be like that. And then this power filter on this sponge filter here doesn't have a Venturi system hooked up. So that's not supposed to be um, bubbling either. So I think we're actually okay, but I do appreciate you looking out for me. Goodness knows I need it. Okay, I'm gonna scroll down, just looking for business stuff so we can get those and close this as soon as possible. We'll go over a bit if we need to. Mods, if you can't stay, I totally understand. Um, but I do wanna get to all the business questions I can. And this is important. If you have a question about plants, um, let Michael Wentworth know. He's giving away the plant package tonight. Well, I'm giving it away. He's providing it. Okay. I guess this is a business question. Zach Billings, will you ever sell to fish stores? Probably not. I would rather do less sales at a higher margin than... Um, more sales at a lower margin. Basically, the way I do it, um, it's not cheap the way I quarantine fish and the time and effort that's put into fishing, getting them all ready to go before I sell them. And I won't operate any other way. Even if I ever sold to retail stores, if I went wholesale, I would still do that. It's just important to me to not send fish that are stressed or sick. I, I, I respect them and I want them to live. And so, Taking into consideration that that's how I operate, I don't think there's enough margin there to do wholesale and make any money. I just really don't. Now, as we scale up if and start doing higher volumes, I might be proven wrong. There might be some kind of model where selling wholesale does make sense, um, but that's far in the future and it's not at all what I'm focused on. Um, and I don't have any plans to do that. Thanks again, Snap Branch. Just got to your super chat. 
Candy Overhauls, are you coming to Billings to get that order? No, I wish. Billings is still not accepting any cargo as far as I know. So I can't get fish at the Billings Airport. I've got to go to Denver. Um, I'll double check that before the order arrives. But as far as I know, Billings is still not doing cargo due to COVID. Verana Guy, do you think those red spot gobies would eat pygmy quarries? Um, I do. At least the size of pygmy quarries I currently have. Those red spots have a pretty large mouth. Sorry, I've got to look at just... Um, going to skip some folks just looking for questions about the business um, so I can finish in a timely manner. Sorry. Okay. And maybe there aren't any more. Maybe we can close on time. Chandra Sikar, how do you maintain GH and KH on your tanks? Um, right now, I, I honestly don't worry about that. I do a daily water change of 40%. And even if there's fluctuations in KH or GH, um, that's minimal enough that the fish have never, to my knowledge, been shocked by anything like that. So um, I don't actually maintain it. Usually you have a breakdown of KH and GH when you have a long-term tank and you don't change a lot of water because then things acidify over time and that all gets eaten up and then you get a very acidic old tank syndrome going on. But the way I do it, changing a lot of water every day, um, I don't run into those issues. In the warehouse, just that constant flow will take care of that. Okay. Just got to Kaler Aquatics Super Chat. And just, I'm just, I don't usually do this. Usually um, I don't scroll looking and have dead time, but I just want to make sure that I'm not missing anything about the business since this pitch is pretty important. Like getting this investment is pretty important. I do want to read this one though from my friend Abu Aziz, the chocolates and samurai. So chocolate garamis and samurai garamis are doing great. First time with samurais. Love these. The Dakais are stunning. I'm glad to hear it, Abu. And I hope those samurai spawn for you. And I hope that female's colored up for you. She was, she was stunning. So I hope you enjoy her. Okay, I think actually we might have uh, reached. Oh, wait. Okay, never mind. Got a couple here. Um, Kids Aquatics, can you go over what investor benefits are up front? The, the main thing um, is just ownership in the company. So if, if someone invests money into the company, then you get a piece of the company. Um, kind of like shares in the stock market. So that's the main one. And that's the one I, I want to, uh, to focus on is investment in return for membership in the company. So if someone puts in 300,000, then they own 15% of the company. So they get 15% of the profits. They uh, get to come to the investor meetings and I report to them what's going on and I get their feedback and, um, seek their advice sometimes if I need advice and things like that. So you just become part of the company. That's, that's the main thing. Greg Gale, will investors receive a dividend based on profits? Yes. So the return to investors is a, I believe it's a yearly dividend, if I remember right, um, of the net profit. So let's say that the company, for easy math, 
let's say in a year, um, I'm totally just doing this for easy math. In a year, the company makes a net profit of 100,000. Then if you put in $300,000, then you would receive 15,000 that year. Now we plan to do a lot more than that, but um, for easy math, yes, it's, it's profit share among the investors. But also you literally own a piece of the company. So um, as the company grows, you could sell that. Like you own 15% of the company. Let's say the company triples in value and you want to, you put in 300,000, it triples in value. You want to sell it for 900,000 and cash out. You can do that too. So it's, it's profit sharing, but also you literally own a chunk of the company to do what you will with. Now, I think the company, uh, according to our operations agreement, so it's set up as a corporation, there's an operations agreement, there's procedures, there's all those things you would expect. Um, and, and I didn't just draw this up, you know, on a napkin. There's, I had a business lawyer do all these documents and things. So they're official and they're standard and all that. Um, uh, I, think, I think the company has the right to buy back stock first. It, if, if we want to buy it back at the price you want to sell it for. I think, but after that, you could sell it at will. Brenda guy, no worries. I really hope you get all you need. Thanks, man. I do too. We're, we're so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> I've been dreaming of this for a long time. And, um, I've been slowing my roll because I wanted to collect all the data and make sure that it would, that it was feasible before I took any money from anyone. Um, because I feel that burden when I take money but I think we are. HC Aqua, what percentage of the business does the other stores on Get Gills make you? Um, so Get Gills is a completely separate business from Dance Fish. So investing in Dance Fish does not result in an ownership in Get Gills. Get Gills, honestly, um, up till now has not been, it's not a profitable thing. We're not making money on it. Basically, I'm doing it for two reasons three reasons. One day, I hope it does turn a profit. Um, that's reason number one, I guess. Reason number two is I wanted to provide the community or the fish, fish nerds with a place to sell fish that was kind of up to date and easy to use. At least I hope it's easy to use, easier to use. And um, the third one is important too, is I wasn't satisfied with any of the current platforms for selling fish. Um, I tried Shopify, didn't really do everything I needed it to do. Um, tried Aquabid, tried eBay, tried all these things. Um, and once I realized Shopify didn't have all the functionality I needed, I was like, I think I have to build my own platform to have the things I want is someone trying to do a fish business. And so get gills is, is partly just a place where I can host my store and have control over, um, the functionality I need to run it the way I want. And then I share that with the community too. So they, if they like that, if they like how within those confines, if they like that, they can also sell there as well. And honestly, I don't see the other sellers on get gills as competition, even if they're selling the same items. I think we kind of synergize with each other. There's times when I'm out of stuff and I'll send people to a store. Um, there's times when they'll be out of stuff. They'll send people to me. There's times when um, 
I have something someone else has, but I also have three or four other things that people want. So they'll buy from me instead of someone else. There's all kinds of variables. So, um, but get gills is a totally separate company than, than Dan's fish. But good question. If that wasn't clear before, people should know that. Nurse Beckis, $9.99. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Tiffany White with five bucks. Thanks, Tiffany. Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy. And I'm trying desperately. Punchy paints throwing down 99 cents. And I can't see what it is down there. But I'm imagining it's probably a chunk of fertilizer. <laughs> I'll get to it in a minute. It won't let me scroll down yet. Um, Alicia and AS, any issues with receiving fish at Denver Airport, especially during winter? Yes, but that's why I've set up um, a guy in Texas to help me. So, I yes, there is that issue. So, in winter, it's bitter cold in Denver. And what happens is it takes a while for the fish to clear customs and clear the fish and wildlife inspection. And during that time, they're in an unheated warehouse and it can take a few hours on a good day. And so, and a lot of people that ship fish don't put heat packs because it's really hot where they're coming from and don't have good insulation. So, there's definitely a problem with that. So, the way I get around that is during the winter, I work with a gentleman in Texas. Um, I send the fish to him. So, let's say I'm importing them from Indonesia. They'll go from Indonesia to him in Texas. He'll get the fish. It's warm down there. He'll rebag the fish, change the water in the fish, all that put them in an insulated box and then send them to me in Denver. And they've already cleared customs and fish and wildlife in Texas. So when they arrive at Denver, I can just go pick them up really quick. So they don't sit there for hours while they're waiting for inspection. So that's the way I get around that problem. But good point. Yes, that can definitely be a problem. Shoot, chat jumped. Um, mods, I realize we're at 838. So if you've got to go, I get it. We are getting towards the end here though. Let me do the giveaway. Um, so that folks that are not interested in investing can get, we can close the giveaway and they can leave if they're just hanging around for that. And then anyone else that had questions about investing and things, I'm going to continue answering those and focusing on those. So the plant package donated by Great Plains Aquatics, you can visit historicgetgills.com, which is run and uh, operated by Michael Wentworth. Um, he'll send you a plant package that is custom tailored to your level of expertise in your setup. The winner of that is Abu, my friend Abu Aziz. Congratulations, Abu, you have won the plant package from Great Plains Aquatics. Um, you've got a minute to confirm you're still here, Abu, because you do have to be present at the time of drawing in order to win. So let us know you're here and um, that will be all settled. And then I can go on to uh, finishing answering out these, uh, these questions. All right. Just seeing if Abu's here. Maybe not. I know I've got a little lag, so I'm trying to look a couple places to make sure I don't miss them. All right, Abu, come on down. Hopefully he's here. <laughs> oh, you're here. All right. Abu, congratulations. You've won the plant package. Um, so I will put you in contact with Michael Wentworth and you guys together can figure out which plants would be best for you. 
All right. Thanks again, Michael Wentworth, for providing the plants for today. I really appreciate it. Okay. Let me get back to more questions and comments about uh, the business and any investment. So, I, Sean, hopefully I made that clear about getting around the cold weather in Denver. Um, if you have a follow-up, let me know. Igor Anonymous, if the company buys a rental property and entitles in it, it, sorry, let me start again. Just one moment. <laughs> Apparently after 840, I can no longer talk. <laughs> Sec. Mm. Igor Anonymous, if the company buys a rental property, it entitles you to a bigger tax break, to bigger tax breaks. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Um, well, what I will say is that finding the right property on a river at a location with enough flow where it's okay for us to draw from the river and return it without, uh, without any issues and all that is a rare find. So I'm probably just going to proceed with the one I found just because any tax breaks aside, sometimes you just have to go with what works. And we've been looking for a year or so. So those nice properties on the river just don't come up very often. Not here. We don't have tons of river like you do back east. Well, I don't know if you're back east, but like folks do back east. But I see another super chat. Better get to that. Or will it let me? Ah, oh, jeez. Guppy Shack with a $20 super chat. Thank you so much. Best of luck, Dan. Yeah, I appreciate it, Guppy Shack. Um, someone else, that might have been you. Um, there, I might be missing one. I'll try to get to it later as I can. Uh, Stephen, the biologist, I missed the beginning of the stream. Do you have graphs and established history record to show somebody invested in what market? Yeah, so Stephen, um, I would suggest re-watching the stream because I give a lot of data at the beginning. If that data tickles your fancy, send me an email and I'll send you the investor packet. I don't necessarily have, I didn't break it into like graphs. I honestly find graphs misleading because everyone finds a way to make it up and to the right. Everyone finds a way to make the graph the hockey stick of exponential growth that we all want. But what I do have broken down in that is the data of uh the basic important data, gross sales, expenses, profits, uh, customer lifetime value, retention rates, um, all that kind of stuff is kind of the nuts and bolts of the business. And it might not be in graph form, but it's it's in there. And after you look at that, if you're interested, after you look at that, if you have further questions, I have all kind of modeling I've done um, that I could put in graph form. But but I could share more information with you if you needed more after that. But the basic tenant is that everything's going in the right direction. Sales have increased. Uh, retention is really high. Things are taking off. So in the modeling shows that long term after scaling, because right now we're putting almost all the profits into scaling. Once that's done, um, we should between be between 30 to 40 percent net profitability uh, to share among the investors. Okay, did I reach the bottom? Nope, there's a few more. Sorry, folks, I am scrolling. Chat jumped on me. Thanks again, Guppy Shack. I just got to your super chat. Just got to Abu saying he's here. Congrats again. Um, so yeah, I'll get you in touch with Michael. No worries. Michael Wentworth, happy to do this. 
do do what I can. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. Um, oh, Moonstone Aquatics. Maybe he means buy a rental in the name of the company. That is the write-off, just my opinion. Okay. Buy a rental in the name of the company. I... I mean, I'm, I'm interested in doing whatever makes sense. Um, but it would have to be that doing that would, would have a substantial impact on things. Uh, one good thing, I should have mentioned this. One good thing is that we sell live fish. Live fish are not taxable in the state of Wyoming. So our sales are tax free here, which is pretty nice. Um, and I don't know, I don't know anything Moonstone um, and other folks that are talking about rental properties about real estate. So I'll probably still steer clear of that unless a consultant or investor or something was like, well, you do it this way and this is the financial result. And I could calculate that and be like, oh, weirdly, if I buy this rental house, somehow that makes the company more money or something. But right now I'm really just focused on expanding the business as is. Um, and kind of focusing on doing what we do. Mega Mindy Lou, you're selling tons of amazing fish and people are starting to breed them. Are you going to be interested in buying back their fish, headstanders? Sure. Um, I'm always interested in buying fish from uh, people that have bred them, hobbyist breeders, as long as I can get them in quantity and they get to me, including shipping cost, at... 25% of what I sell them for. I have to, I have to mark things up at least four times in order to be profitable with the way we quarantine and, and do things here. Um, so if there are fish that I think will sell, they're in quantity and they're the right price point, then I'm always interested in that. Hobbyist breadfish are the bee's knees, the cat's meow. They're the best. You mean the babies, the rays? Oh, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, so once it's built, you will be living in a van down by the river then <laughs> when you pull the all-nighters. Make the wife happy. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the super chat. It does make the wife happy. And I'm I'm definitely going to be throwing a cot in the warehouse many a night as I'm building it out and getting up and running. I already know that. Uh, I'll need a little microwave there and a toaster oven. <laughs> Steve, the biologist. Okay, thank you. I'm going to rewatch. I was running late. I have your email for reaching out our request. I just said graphs because that's what a lot of business like to do. Probably the reason. Yeah, and I, I can do that. If, if like anyone is, if anyone's interested in investing and is like, I need this in graph form. That's how my mind works. I'll figure out how to do that. Um, that's not a problem. I don't think I've never tried it before. Okay. We reached the bottom. So, um, I think green Grove aquatics, what advantages does Wyoming have compared to other States to sell fish? There's a couple. One is we're very sparsely populated. There's only half a million people in the entire state of Wyoming. So what that means is there's not like a lot of demand on our natural resources as far as like water and I don't know, natural resources go because we don't have the population. I mean, maybe mining, there's coal mining and stuff. I guess that's a natural resource, but um, we have a lot of pristine land that, and not a lot of population polluting it or overusing it. So that means there's water in the river that's clean that I can use. Um, so that's one big thing. 
The other big thing is the tax break I talked about. There is no tax on live fish sales. So it's, it's tax-free pretty much. Those are the two I can think of. Now, I thought of what are the downsides too. The one downside I suppose is one nice thing about when I lived in Los Angeles was I could find anything I needed within, a, within 50 miles of my house, right? or apartment, <laughs> couldn't afford a house in LA. Um, not as a student, that was for sure. One thing about um, living in Wyoming is you do get very good about shopping online and sometimes there's a big lag, a bit of lag while you're waiting for things to be shipped to you and stuff like that. So um, I guess that's one downside. But the positive is the cost of living is pretty low. Natural resources are not overburdened. There's tax breaks. And um, in the, the cost of setting stuff up here and the taxes and all that um, are, are minimal compared to what I would pay if I was still in California or a lot of other states. It's a very business-friendly state. Pebbling Creek Aquatics, I think they're saying use another company to own the property, then charge Dan's Fish rent but you both own, so it helps tax-wise. Okay. Um, guys, I know nothing about real estate, but Tiffany White, I know you do. <laughs> Maybe we could talk. Um, if anyone here is savvy about that stuff, could you email me and send me, uh, let me know what you're talking about. So you're saying own the property, another biz buy the property under another business, set up another business to buy the property and then rent it from that property. Um, and that'll create savings somehow, I think is what I'm understanding from that. But send me, I think in chat here in the live stream, I, I don't think we'll be able to hash it out, but um, if you send me an email, I'd be very interested in any way to, to do that. Of course, if that savings is offset by the cost to the company that's set up just as a land holding company, um, then it doesn't make sense. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. We're going to, we're going to cut it there. It's eight 50. Um, chat slowed down. I think people have asked their questions. If you have any further questions, please email me Dan at dancefish.com. Um, again, there's 15% of the company left, um, at a, uh, $300 evaluation. So we've already raised 300,000. We're trying to raise the last 300,000. And anyone interested, I would appreciate an email. I really want to close this out. Um, and that doesn't have to happen here with the people watching this video, but any progress we can make, or heck, if someone here can invest enough that we can close it out, I'm raring to go. Um, we've got momentum. We've got the data. We're ready to do this. So thanks again for being here. Thanks to my mods. I really appreciate you guys. Um, thank you to everyone who left a super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but it really does help. Anyone that's interested in investing and, and sends me an email, I thank you in advance. Everyone that asks questions, thanks for being interested in making this lively. And all you lurkers, hashtag lurker nation, everyone watching on the replay, thanks for being here. And yeah, I'll see you all next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, probably. The import comes Thursday. There is a chance I might have to leave Wednesday night depending on the time it comes in and all that. But I plan on being here next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Um,